Alumni Association is committed to making certain that another 165 years of tradition and excellence continues on today. Um, I really want to take this time also to thank the JROTC. If you could please stand. Theater, which opened in 2007. 
She led the organization's $9 million campaign and building project to renovate and reopen Filmstream's second venue, the historic Dundee Theater, in late 2017. Filmstreams has attracted great media attention to Omaha, including a profile in the New York Times and mentions in Wired Magazine, The New Yorker, uh, NPR's Morning Edition, CNBC, and airings of two of Filmstreams' future programs on PRI's Studio 360. At this time, I'd like to bring up Rachel Jacobson and our MC for the evening, Dr. Keith Fixie. Coach Barrons, I want to make sure that you know that you need to invoke the memory of Ben Jacobson and how hard that young man played because we know he would be taking advantage of every one of these seconds. I'll try Good to do a frustrated face. <laughs> <laughs> So I just want to tell you how excited I am about this, um, particularly this individual. I had a great relationship with her father, a 1966 grad who's no longer with us, but that guy used to send me emails pages long of how Ben was doing in his professional career over in Israel and such. So to have the opportunity to talk to his oldest daughter, a 1996 grad, is really exciting. So Rachel, welcome to Passing Periods. Let's give her a nice round of applause again. I promised her this would be relatively painless and it's really more of a reflection on where you've been, where you're at, and where you're going. And so that's kind of our task today. So Rachel, let's get started. Let's talk a little bit about you growing up. Uh, kind of where you were at, what schools you went to, activities that you were doing as a young person, and then we'll move on to your central experience. All right, well thank you, Keith. Thank you so much for having me here, and thanks to everyone. It's so nice to see so many friendly faces, and I love that 1966 is right here in front of us, so yay. <laughs> So, um, and, the, and the basketball connection is so cool too because, you know, dad in 66, right? Played versus Boys Town and lost at the buzzer. It's, it's a state, it was like a really sad story that he told all the time, but, <laughs> but he made it to state and he, we come from a basketball family and I'm so, so proud of this team that they're doing so well, you know, all these years later, it's pretty amazing. Um, so, yeah, so I grew up, you know, um, in uh, Happy Hollow area, just north of Memorial Park, and, um, you know, attended Harrison Elementary, where my daughter is in first grade now, which is really special, really, yeah, yeah, which is a, still a wonderful, wonderful school. And, um, and then I went to Lewis and Clark Junior High, like I'm sure a lot of you, and, um, and then Central High School in 1996. And, you know, unlike my brother, both my brothers really were basketball players and star basketball players. I was kind of more of a generalist, you know. I was, a, I, you know, like Peggy Jordan will tell you that I, I danced the frug in Sweet Charity. Yeah, um, so I was in a couple plays at Central. Um, I sat on the register, so it was cool that the register crew that's recording stuff is here. Um, and, uh, you know, I did Belcanto with Lynn Boma. Um, but I think, I think what 
what was most influential for me um, at Central was really like the English program and the and the history. Um, you know, I, it was like kind of golden age of English teachers there. <laughs> they were amazing. It was Miss Saunders sophomore year. Um, uh, and then Dr. Shaver, junior year, and then Mr. Daly, senior year, who I think started at Central the year you guys started at Central, or my dad said he had him for a teacher too, so that was pretty incredible. Um, so I had a really wonderful, lucky experience there. Um, should I go keep going? Did well, let me, I want to, I want to ask you yeah. about a couple things. So <laughs> you're third generation. And you told me a story about your grandmother that I got it. So we have this little conversation before we meet, and we talk, and I get to learn a whole bunch of stuff about people that I never can repeat, but this is one I think I'll repeat. Um, tell me about your grandmother's experience at Central. Well, so, okay, so my grandma and her sisters were all redheads, and she graduated from Central. I don't know if I'm going to get the year right. I think existed in the 30s. <laughs> so you you basically had no choice of where you were going to high school, I'm going to guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely leaning towards Central. I'm sure if I, 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 I don't think it was like really much of a question, honestly. All of my friends were going to Central um, from Lewis and Clark and, um, and you know, dad obviously really wanted us to go to Central. So Central was kind of on the target. So in that, in that, and I'll just be loud. Okay. So you mentioned some of your teachers. Who were some of your classmates that you hung with? Yeah, uh, well, okay, so I hang out a lot with um, Colleen Clary um, and, uh, and Stacy Cody, Jeremy Evans, who gave the commencement speech that year, and he and I later in college studied in Edinburgh together. Um, there, I, I wasn't, I wasn't great at calculus. I was good at math, math until I got to calculus senior year, and then I wasn't great at it anymore. But I had a bunch of friends that were from calculus that later became engineers, like um, uh, like Brandon Miggs and um, and uh, I guess Matt Witten. Yeah. Know, and um, and then also uh, Charles Before. So you know. We were hanging like, with smart kids. We were nerdy, and you know, we were yeah, yeah, we were studying and. Now, the reason I bring this up is because it really plays an important role of where Rachel gets her start. Now, she mentioned Edinburgh, but you need to talk to us a little bit about your college experience. So you graduated from Central. You had well-prepared, I'm going to assume, particularly with the English background, the journalism background. You had a full view of performing arts, diversity. Where do we go next? So next, I went to University of Illinois in Champaign-Urbana. Um, I actually, uh, Sarah Rafel, who is a good friend, uh, Dean Rafel, was, uh, who was at uh, Creighton at the time, 
was touring different colleges and brought us to Illinois. And Sarah and I just loved Illinois. And so she, she was a friend of mine in high school too. So we ended up um, choosing to go there. And I studied, um, I started off studying political science and then I picked up an English as a double major because- Because of Dan Daly. Because of Dan Daly, <laughs> exactly. No, it definitely, um, it was a good, it was a good experience. I had thought about journalism for a little bit there, Henry, so yeah. But, uh, um, but it was good to have both majors. And, um, and it was lucky because within the English major, there were these classes that were um, film classes where we were analyzing film history and criticism, where we were analyzing film just like you would literature in your English classes. And that's where I got really, really passionate about movies. And growing up, you know, my family was all about movies, loved to go into Indian Hills with my friends, and you know, Pulp Fiction came out when I was in high school, so it was like kind of a big deal to see these, um, these films that were really different. And, um, and so those classes were really inspiring to me. And then when I was studying in Edinburgh my junior year, there was a Cinematheque. Um, and that was like, they were kind of all over Europe, you know, these kind of museums for film where they showed um, classics and they showed stuff that wouldn't be seen otherwise. And they had a different kind of business model, you know, they were more um, there to uh, celebrate the art form. So I really loved that idea. There was also an art house in Illinois. And then when I was coming home to Omaha in the summer and for winter breaks and stuff like that, none of the films I wanted to see were playing here. And so my senior year, I just had this epiphany. I was like, I want to move back to Omaha. I want to be closer to my family. And I want to work in film. And I don't really want to shop scripts around. I don't really want to do like the commercial film thing. And so I just had this idea. I'm, I'm going to start a Cinematheque in Omaha. I was calling it a Cinematheque at the time. I'm glad I changed it up because yeah. it sounds a little pretentious. But, but uh, and, um, and so it was just that idea and that seed of an idea that everything I did for the next several years was to get experience to do that eventually. Now, so you go to Edinburgh, you see this thing, you have this passion built in Illinois, but there's a, a bigger connection to this. There's almost a continental connection from coast to coast that comes into play a little bit. Because I know you were at time in New York. And you need to talk a little bit, because I promised my foundation people over here who would appreciate this, how this all comes together. Indie <coughs> rock plays a very important role. So many of you have heard this story a lot, so I apologize. But um, yeah, so in, um, in 2000, I graduated from University of Illinois, um, political science and English. No, no work experience other than I worked at popcorn places. So I did have popcorn experience, which is great, and I worked at bookstores. Um, and, um, and I moved out to New York City. My sister was um, taking a course at NYU, and she gave me a brochure for continuing education classes. And so I decided to take this course in arts administration. It was month-long intensive on how to run a mission-based nonprofit arts organization. And it was amazing. It was taught by people from the public theater, from ABT, from all over the place. And I really got this kind of summary of how to, you know, and I kind of wrote the skeleton of the business plan and I wrote the mission that it's still the mission of Film Streams today, which is, 
to enhance the cultural environment of Omaha through film, through the presentation and discussion of film. But meanwhile, like I said, I had no work experience and I wanted to live in the city and enjoy my early 20s and I knew I wasn't ready to move home. So, um, so every job I took in New York was to kind of to gain experience to do that. And so I worked at Miramax Films for a little while. That was my first job out of college, working under Harvey Bob Weinstein. Like, <laughs> pretty, it, it actually, actually, it's been kind of validating that I knew it was a bad work experience. It was like <laughs> the worst possible work environment that you could have, as we've seen in the news the past few years, especially for a 22-year-old woman. So, uh, so that was like my first job. But you were an eagle. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. I was, I was an eagle. I was tough. But, uh, but then I, uh, I worked for different nonprofits. I worked for a theater in the West Village, and I worked for WMYC. And meanwhile, all these indie rock bands were from Omaha. Up. From Omaha, were blowing up, and my friends who I had worked with at Pop Popcorn at Oakview Mall. <laughs> you were, were coming out to New York and playing rock shows, you know, at big venues, and um, and they they were doing really well and sleep crashing on my couch and stuff like that, and um, and the the image of Omaha kind of changed, you know, in New York from so Saddle Creek Records right, comes into exactly, play exactly exactly so one right so I actually met Rob Mansell who's the head of Saddle Creek at a at a bar in the East Village where there were about 60 Omaha kids at like, you know, one in the morning after a cursive show. And he and I started talking and he was telling me about, he, about how he, they were looking for space for their concert venue. And I told him about how I wanted to start move home and start this nonprofit movie theater. And he goes, you're gonna be the one that's gonna do that. We need that. And so meanwhile, we kept talking. We kept talking over the next few years and um, that, that was 2003. I guess it was only a couple of years, really. And um, and they tried to build, remember they tried to build uh, by Homey Inn, their concert venue, the Saddle Creek guys um, in Country Club. And uh, the neighbors did not want a concert venue there. <laughs> and, so, um, and so then, at the time, I think it was Mayor Fahey and it was Paul Landau, uh, 66, um, who brought, um, who said to the Saddle Creek guys, we don't want to lose you in Omaha. You know, you guys are the ultimate of the creative class, right? Like Bridger, Florida was out then. And so they talked them into building a development just west of that, what was then the Quest Center. There was pretty much only the Quest Center there. And um, they said, but we don't know who's gonna be around us. You know, and they said, well, what, we'll get you TIF financing. We'll help you get TIF financing. And you could, you could do a whole development and you could choose who your neighbors are. So meanwhile, I'm living in the East Village in New York. I'm working at WNYC. I'm having the best time. I had just gotten into grad school in New York, and I was gonna, for arts administration, I was gonna plan the whole thing slowly and carefully. Rob Manslow calls me up in the East Village and says, I think it's time for you to move home to Omaha because we've got this opportunity. We could fill your Bill movie Street, theater. Yeah. So, um, so I gave six months notice at WYC and I moved home in June of 2005 and my dad decided to sign on as our first board chair and he was an amazing partner to work with right from the beginning. Um, we were able to recruit a fantastic board. Alexander Payne joined our board that first year, which was a huge thing. We were able to fundraise, you know, um, for the build out and for the startup of the Rusak Lab Theater, which was incredible. The Javich family gave 
um, a gift in recognition of Rusakala, and um, you know, just tons and tons of support and a lot of central support. I was on the Central High Alumni Association for a little while when I moved home. And so, um, so spent two years raising the money doing the building project with Allie Pointer back there in the corner. <laughs> I feel like I have to call everyone out in this room. It's a great crew. Um, and, um, and we opened in summer of 2007 with Seven Samurai on the big screen and um, got to show classic films, American Independence, documentaries, um, do an education program, film history for high school students, film history criticism, where we had kids from Central that walked down from Central to the theater and um, would watch a movie and have lunch for a field trip and have a discussion after. And, you know, I mean, everything about film streams, a lot of it was so informed by my experience at Central. I think about it because Central, my dad was really passionate about diversity and inclusivity. And I just feel like that is such a huge theme with Central. And, um, and film streams is just the, the entire premise of it was how do we, how do we Bring, make everyone feel welcome here? How do we bring as many community members to this theater as we possibly can? How do we make sure that the audiences are diverse and that people are interacting who might not otherwise? Like, even with the education program, like, we would be really intentional about having Creighton Prep and Central and, you know, Brownell and South, you know, like, like a, a Miller Quest, you know, all in the room together to watch a film like, you know, the 1965 documentary with Ernie Chambers called The Time for Burning. And then you have a conversation <coughs> about, you know, what it looks like and they can hear from their peers at different high schools what, um, what racism looks like, you know, uh, today compared to what it was in 1965. So, um, so it was like, it, it was such a wonderful experience. And then the Dundee Theater, I mean, how many of us I know tons of you in this room grew up close to the Dundee Theater, grew up going to the Dundee Theater. And um, so to have that opportunity was unbelievable. Um, and that happened, you know, that's a close central connection too. Yes, that, it is. Yeah, so, because um, we had always, our, we had a really strong and engaged board. And we had always talked about the fact that we wanted Dundee to succeed as it was running on a shoestring, as an art house, independent theater, you know, definitely, you remember the duct tape on the seats that was <laughs> happening? <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, um, you know, we knew it needed a lot, and, you know, Danny, um, who was running it at the time, you know, he put that article in the paper, Denny uh, Moran put that article in the paper saying, basically, he, he had closed it down for two years to renovate, but he wasn't gonna renovate, and I immediately went and met with him, and he was he was ready to sell, but he wanted to sell pretty much the whole block. And so I was like, well, I don't know if we could do that. But then I talked to Susie, Susie Buffett, and Susie was like, we got to do this. And so she she called me one day basically and was like, Rachel, I bought it. Here we go. <laughs> and so. So that's when we got our second venue and we got to do this amazing project to renovate this venue that, you know, my grandparents went there. I'm sure a lot of your parents and, you know, um, and 
And the fact that we were able to figure out a way to have a second screen and a lobby, but still keep the integrity of that main house so that that experience is similar to what the history has been, it was just, it was, it was really, really special. And it was great for the organization because we needed two more screens um, just to have a wider spectrum of programming. So, um, <laughs> this plant just started on a couch in an apartment in the East Village, and now we're already taking over Dundee. <laughs> so, a question I asked earlier to you, Rachel, was you birthed this thing. You've raised this thing. You've taken it to its teenage years, and then mom decides to leave and take another job. That had to be kind of hard. So the job that you've taken has to be a very interesting one, and one that obviously you've gotten used to taking on challenges. So in essence, what I want to do is talk a little bit about what you do now. Okay. And maybe a little insight in regards to why you did what you did. All right, well, I was pretty lucky. Have any of you ever heard of Founder Syndrome? <laughs> it's this thing that Julie coughs out of your head. It's this thing that happens particularly with nonprofit organizations where the founders kind of stay too long, you know? And then the organizations can't evolve because they're too dependent on one person. And so someone mentioned founder syndrome to me really early on. And so from the beginning, I was thinking about how do I build this organization so that there is, you know, a succession plan, so that it's definitely not dependent on me as an individual. And I was really fortunate that I did not build this, even though I may have birthed it, I did not do that by myself. There are a lot right. of like mamas and dadas, you know. Success like, has a ton of mothers <laughs> yeah, and fathers. Yeah, yeah, there are a lot of people who helped make it possible. And, um, and so, um, and we have an amazing, we had an amazing staff. Like the Dundee Project allowed us to grow. We were operating with four or five full-time administrative staff for the first seven, eight years. Dundee allowed us to grow to like 13 people, and we, you know, my deputy director, Casey Logan, like we just really got to strengthen the organization. We also got to have a significant operating reserve because the capital campaign went so well, and then, you know, um, and so we were just in really good shape as an organization, um, and so I was kind of thinking about what's next. I think also I kind of got a bug, like even though the passion was about film, it was also really about Omaha and enhancing the cultural environment of this community. And I think what I realized is that my strengths, you know, are kind of all about that board development, that fundraising, you know, like that's what we had to do to build a successful organization. And as much as I love the film programming, we hired an amazing um, artistic director, Diana Martinez, who's a PhD in film studies. She needed to take on as artistic director, you know, and I couldn't let go of programming the films while I was there. So I needed to, you know, you push it out of the yeah. nest. I needed to go on to the next thing. And, you know, um, Mike McCarthy was taking over the Board of Heritage for Walter Scott, who had founded it and had been there for 30 years. And so Heritage is a... So it's a nonprofit philanthropic development organization. So we do, we do building projects and we do capital campaigns and we do institutional development. So we, 
we created Omaha Performing Arts um, and uh, Mecca, and we did the Central High Stadium yeah. um, project. Um, we did the South High Stadium project, um, uh, the Lorson Gardens. Um, so, um, and right now, the project that I inherited was it, was mentioned by Michelle, I think it's, it's Kiwa Luminarium, which is this new science center on the riverfront that's in partnership with Exploratorium. John Deneen is one of our architects on it. And yeah, we've got, <laughs> yeah, so, um, and yeah, Central Grad, so, um, but, so So that's, your job is sorry. to build that public <laughs> consensus. Yeah. So it can happen. Well, it's, it's to raise the money, it's to, start up the institution, it's to serve as kind of like the interim EV until we hire the CEO, which we did last year, terrific person from um, Exploratorium, Solar Raker, and then we just kind of stored the building project, you know, so, um, and, you know, make sure that everything can get up and running, and then we let it go. So, it's kind of like, I'm going to do this that I, what I, if I could let go of film streams, I can let go of anything, right? Yeah, so, okay. so this job is cool because I get to do the startup thing again and again, right? And you Use know. your strengths. Yeah. yeah. So, so the Luminarium opens in 2023, is that correct? That's right, next year, yeah, April 2023, yeah. And so that's gonna be kind of a film stream on steroids in yeah. a way <laughs> for kids who have interest in science or families and well, yeah, I mean, I, like, it, it's going to be, it's going to be really wonderful. So have any of you ever been to Exploratorium in San Francisco? Um, oh, it's, it's phenomenal. It's like an amazing place. It's all about, it, it's a science center, but it's all about hands-on learning. It's been there since the 60s. So a lot of people, I think you can probably attribute a lot of Silicon Valley success to even like Exploratorium being there. Um, and it's just, it's going to be this wonderful science center. It's going to be part of the parks at Lewis and Clark Landing, and so there's going to be this awesome, you know, kid children's park just to the south, um, and it's going to be a space for educators to bring students for field trips. But it's also going to be a space for everyone to. The whole idea is really to make science learning feel more accessible and more approachable to anyone. And so everything that we're doing, it's all about joyful engagement with basic science concepts. And I think it's gonna be really wonderful. I mean, a, a big goal of ours, I would love to see Central Kids on their own, choosing to walk down, right? Like to the, to the Luminarium just On the riverfront. Yeah, just to be after school, you know? So I think that could be really special. So the next project that I want you to talk about is the one that it's a big bite. <laughs> yeah. It's a big bite. Yeah. So you inherited this. Yeah. This one is going to be yours. Is that correct? Well, no, it's not mine. It doesn't. It doesn't. None of this belongs to me. This is like sure. That's Rachel. <laughs> no, no, no. Success has a ton of mothers and fathers. Failure is an orphan looking for a parent. So, uh, talk about what you're involved with right now. Yeah, so um, so we are, it's truly not mine. Like it's okay. the furthest thing from mine because we are, so we're working in collaboration with the Omaha Public Library, with the Omaha Public Library Foundation, with the city of Omaha, 
um, and with DoSpace, which Heritage started in um, 2014, is that right, John? Yeah, and, um, and so that's that technology library, 72nd and Dodge, and we're all working together to see if we can um, build a new central library at 72nd and Dodge. And I know 72nd and Dodge, it doesn't seem, I, I felt this way too at first, I was kind of like, I don't, you know, I just, shouldn't the central library be downtown? Um, but 72nd and Dodge, when you think about it, where were people holding Ukrainian flags last week? You know, like what, where did people cruise, you know, in the 80s? Like what, you know, uh, where were the protests? Where do we go, you know, in the 90s when the Huskers won the national championship? It's weirdly, it doesn't have the built environment for it, but it's weirdly our civic center. And so creating a building there, we're, you know, working with HDR, Ali Pointer, and Margaret Sullivan Studios, which is the National Library Consultant, to do a schematic design and engagement period. We got some seed funding to explore the possibilities here of building something really wonderful and innovative. I mean, when you think about it, uh, the way that we, the libraries are all about democratic access to information and safe spaces, right? And, um, and the way that we access information in the 21st century has changed significantly. And yes, books, absolutely. There needs to be physical books in every branch, but there also really needs to be access to tech, program, tech programming and technology. There need, there, the libraries who are investing and innovating are doing the most vibrant, cool stuff. I'm going to Calgary this weekend, um, which is so exciting to check out the library there. Um, so it, it's it's a really fun and exciting project, and I definitely don't own it. We've got a lot of partners here, <laughs> but if we're able to launch, you know, it'll happen this summer. So and and then we'll have more to share. So just a quick follow: up Will there continue to be a library in the downtown? Uh, yeah. So we're not involved with the downtown branch stuff. Right. That's the city of Omaha and OPL. So, um, but we're we are working in accordance with the library's facilities plan, which did include a thirty thousand square foot library downtown, and they are you know renovating that one space. Right. You know, but they only have a five-year lease on it. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think that there has to be a library downtown, right? I mean. That would be my opinion. I think so, too. I think so, too, absolutely. But I think that the idea behind the. I would actually like to see it on the riverfront, <laughs> maybe next to the Luminarian. That's you know? a great idea. I That's, love that. Throw one of those. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I think that. Um, Part of the reason that OPL, I mean, we weren't involved in OPL's master plan that they did in 2017, but I think part of the reason that they wanted it at 72nd and Dodge is because, well, they wanted easier access to parking at the central library, and then they also wanted, I think they, most central libraries have a hub and spoke model of distribution, which is much more efficient to be able to get to all the branches and even get to expand potentially into school libraries and things like that. So having that more central location and having all the access to transit that you do at 72nd and Dodge, I think, was important for accessibility and everything else. So as we follow that, 
you've kind of clarified a number of questions I've had. Hopefully everybody kind of understands because that library issue probably will continue to pop up that Rachel's not responsible. I take my words back. <laughs> um, let's bring this back. So as you look where you are right now, you're, you're pretty young. You got a first grader over Harris, and I assume she's going to Lewis and Clark and then to Central. That's the expectation, <laughs> that, right? Yeah. That. The overall influence of your Central experience on where you are now, and then obviously you read that last question, which was your best Central High story. Yeah, you got to be thinking while you're talking. <laughs> <laughs> My best Central High story. I know I have something, and now I'm. Um, um, I mean, I think it was it was going to be the '66 thing, and I already mentioned it. But okay. Dad well, tells that story all the time. But um, your dad was also a big Beatle fan, so I don't know if that started as central. <laughs> Definitely, yeah, he was a huge, huge Beatles fan. Yeah, he had a lot of great stories about that. Um, my best central high story. Oh, this is tough. Teacher, principal. <laughs> Doc Moeller was the principal yeah. most of the time that I was there, but I think Doc Thompson started when I was a senior, is I that think right? So. Yeah. yeah, yeah, so, um, but yeah. Oh, well, you know, okay, this kind of connects it to film streams. You know, one of the most, uh, I think one of the most special things running film streams, I had Miss Valdry for um, AP World History junior year, and she influenced me so much in just my world view and the fact that the fact that she insisted on us having world history for a semester even though even though the AP test was only focused on European history I mean that was just so cool I would tell people that story all the time and Ivy League bound kids would be really mad at her but, <laughs> but, but I thought it was incredible you know we studied Africa and South America and I ended up when I was political science major I ended up doing comparative politics and looking at different countries so Miss Valdrighi showed up at film streams one day and uh, you know I think she was seeing like a Pedro Almodovar film or something and I got to and she was like, this is so awesome. And it's just, I mean, that full circle thing, Beth Bellman, Beth my Bellman. French high school teacher, she was, I, I miss her, yeah, she was great. Um, she was on uh, Film Streams Education Committee. And so she was active with Film Streams stuff. I mean, it's just like, you know, here's Peggy right there. Like, I mean, it's so cool, that circle thing where your mentors kind of come and appreciate like what you've been able to do. So I think that's one of my favorite things. Oh, and I, sorry, now yeah, I have one more. Okay, you keep going. <laughs> now I have one more. Um, I, think, I think just in general, like what I was talking about with the education program and with the central kids, because I talked about them walking down to the theater, but the thing, um, Tracy Menton, yes. who's, is she still there? Oh yeah. Uh, she's awesome, and she brought her kids for from the International Baccalaureate Program to multiple screenings all the time, and she always talked about how the best part of bringing kids to film streams and having the discussions afterwards was the walk back to Central, because they would have the best conversations after seeing a documentary or a foreign film or something like that, and I just think that was really special. Well, you know what, I feel really good about the city of Omaha that we've got an eagle 
That is very nice. Thank you today. You did a great job, dear. I don't know, are we, are we, is the bell gonna ring or are we good? It is dismissed. Passing period, get to class. <laughs>